Hello. If you can, please give to charities for those disenfranchised in these still troubled times. An example might be the Ogre Project, which helps black trans people with food, shelter, and other means of life. Also, support the Trevor Project, a mental health hotline for LGBTQ youths in trouble. Uh, as for Nathaniel, you can find him at the Pretendium Compendium, his own podcast, where he talks about Dungeons and Dragons and other fantasy fare. Uh, if you would like to see more of me, you can find me on my YouTube channel, Jeems, which is J-E-E-M-S. You can find me on my Tumblr, which is also Jeems, my TikTok, Jeems84, my Twitter, the show's Twitter is at Penny Tolerable, and I'm at MyPlanetIsJ, and you can find me on my Instagram at, at MyPlanetIsJeremy. Uh, we are available on Anchor, SoundCloud, Spotify, and several other podcast platforms. Now, on with the show. Also, for another amazing podcast, check out The Video Vault with Brandon and Skyler by my friends, Brandon and Skyler. Two constellations shine in the sky, that of the Nathaniel and that of Jeremy, like night and day, good and evil, dum-dum and sticky pants. They are opposed and complementary. The two constellations should not compete because the balance of the podcast would be threatened. But if these two dipshits join forces, the powers of darkness will be overcome and peace on earth will last forever. In the kind of early 21st century, a folly triggers a nuclear war, ravaging our podcast. Those who had managed to escape had to fight to listen or even pay attention. Episodes and topics were more precious than gold. So what are we talking about today, Nathaniel? Oh, today we're going to enter the violent world of uh, Ken and Shun, where... Uh, oh, I fucked it up already. <laughs> now, uh, the brutal world of Ken and Shun, where violence isn't a problem, it's a solution. Yep. Yeah. Um... 
We're talking about Fist of the North Star, if I'm not mistaken. We are. Specifically the 1984-ish? I want to say. Yeah, I'm going to look this up. You go ahead and talk to the nice people yes. while I do that. Hello, nice people. Um, yeah, Fist of the North Star, for those of you who don't know, uh, here's the basic story. After a nuclear holocaust tears the world apart, mankind is forced to the harshness of not only the oppression of others, who are much more powerful, but the dead earth which seems to be getting worse with every passing moment. But a savior has risen from the ashes, a man who will defeat those who would torment the weak and make the world a livable place once more. A man named Kinshiro, the Fist of the North Star. Which, uh, if we're being technical, and I could be wrong about this, do they call him Kenshiro in the original American version? No, it's I, just Ken. I think it's just Ken, yeah. It's just Ken. Yeah, okay, uh, I misspoke earlier. Thank you for filling people in. Uh, the Fist of the North Star uh, film, the anime mm-hmm. film, uh, is from 1986. I got confused. 1984 was when I lost my parlor account, and somebody called me on Age of Consent Laws. Yeah. I was told I was making a nuisance <laughs> at the uh, truck stop. So, um, anyways, yeah, nineteen eighty-six, the fist of the North Star. I'm just gonna keep repeating that, those, <laughs> that uh, sequence of words and numbers. Um, what led us to choose this topic of all topics, outside of the fact that we already covered Ricky O, and this is basically yeah. like that? Yeah. Well. For one thing, we watched it, and secondly, yeah. yeah, we watched it recently, and secondly, this is a movie that we both love. So, yeah. for people listening, this is going to be the rare episode where we like something. Yeah. Uh, I would I would legitimately be interested, not to slow things down right out the gate, sometime or another I'll look back over everything we covered, because mm-hmm. I know we joke about like, oh, we don't hate everything. Yeah. And it's it's a bit, of course. But I'm looking at it now, I'm like, well, we did do a run on, like, X-Men movies, which we don't care for. <laughs> but we did, like, four episodes in a row about Alan Moore, and we really liked it. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like it's, like, at least, like, a 60-40 thing. Yeah. Like to think. That's, that's nice, huh? So, yeah, Fist of the North Star rules. Um, so, may, maybe just a word of introduction on this. Uh we don't have to get into, like, industry history. I'm not going to give anybody my life story. But uh, we both watched this at a pretty young age. Yeah. Because this was one of the earlier uh, films released to... Uh, one of the earlier anime films mm-hmm. released to the American markets. Yeah. Streamline, yeah. I believe. Yeah, Streamline Pictures. Which I... I don't know. Streamline is, like... Treated as such a footnote, I find it really kind of interesting. Yeah, at least at least at first, because after a while they're just releasing like Lily Cat and Three by Three Eyes, like that. Not knocking yeah. it, like who cares? But there was this wave. It was like they were the first ones to bring over uh, Miyazaki, mm-hmm. and there was this span of time between, like, even before I was actually watching this stuff. Yeah, between like nineteen eighty nine up to like maybe nineteen ninety three, this shit was white hot. Yeah, and they were doing uh, Akira and uh, Castle of Cagliostro, Fist of the North Star, and uh, Robot Carnival, 
which is kind of an unsung favorite of mine. Yeah. No one ever talks about Robot Trainable. It is a beautiful movie. Um, uh, Vampire Hunter D, yes. famously. Uh, so, I, you know, having watched this, I, I was actually thinking, like, why were those so good? <laughs> and I don't want to just put it down to nostalgia. There's it, a little bit of that. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I cannot look at this and not see a movie that delighted me when I was a kid, a mm-hmm. la Labyrinth. Yeah. Um, but why do you think that first wave of streamlined releases was, like, so good and so interesting and in a world where like there's more anime than I want mm-hmm. uh, yeah I mean that right there like me comparing like 1995 Nathaniel to present day Nathaniel mm-hmm. in, in terms of anime I feel like when Homer gets all the donuts in hell yeah <laughs> uh, just, how would you like to see all the anime in the world <laughs> It's like, wow, I, I love Lupin. Or maybe you'll like I'm a Spider, but that's okay. <laughs> maybe you'll like 700 episodes of One Piece. <laughs> oh, the difference is he likes it, though. I'm, yeah. I'm kind of burned out, if I'm being honest. Uh, so I have a couple theories. But why do you think those early streamlined ones popped so much? I think it's because basically they wanted to bring over... I don't know if it was necessarily the best stuff, although it kind of ended up being that. Yeah. But they wanted to bring over a wide variety. Mm-hmm. Is basically... Like, you look at movies that you like seen similar, like Go-Go 13, The Professional, Vampire Hunter D, uh-huh. Fist of the North Star. Um, like, you would kind of put those in similar category... They're very different films. Yeah, I, I think you're right. When I, when I watched D, I was like, oh, nothing better than a good sci-fi horror western. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Just, you know, Thundercats crossed with Castlevania. Yeah. What even is it? And then Golgo, which is just bananas. Yes. Uh, I, 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 Grotesque movie, yes, horrible stuff. Yeah, and probably the bleakest of these in a way, mm-hmm. uh, morally, but it sure is fun to watch. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, I I think there's something to that. There is a diversity of films, and while they probably made their name doing, uh, you know, a certain type of guy movie. Yeah. Let's say, it's worth mentioning they released uh, Twilight of the Cockroaches. And started the company by dubbing Kiki's delivery service. Yeah. Even though there's been like 14 dubs since then. By the way, that's so weird to me. Uh, like, Streamline is folded as a company, so everything yeah. is either out of print or has been licensed to like ADV and Discotech. Mm-hmm. So many of these things have been redubbed. Yes. And I do not know why. I, I guess like people need the work, it's your company, like. There's probably like a financial thing where like mm-hmm. you're getting some of the money if you redub something you buy the license to. I'm sure there's perfectly logical reasons. Yeah. On a purely aesthetic level, and it's like, well, a manga video did a new dub for a Castle of Cagliostro. Why? Have yeah. you heard the original? Like Bob Bergen is Lupin. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> and you you notice this stuff because like. When you're young and you uh, hear the certain dubs of these movies, 
you're like, oh, I remember this one line that I loved. And then you hear it in like a reissue and the line's not there. And you're like, oh, what? wait, what? Yeah. And even as a very little kid, you already recognize, like, it was years before I found out the gentleman's name is uh, Mike L. Reynolds, like, mm-hmm. the old guy. Yeah. And every single week, Jesus Christ, what the hell is he doing there? What the hell is Gogo doing on the top of the Coca-Cola building? Yeah. Just, and he's in everything. He's yeah. in the Cowboy Bebop movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the vocal performances in this, and that, that's maybe... Just something else I want to mention as a side note. Uh, even when, like, Streamline and the founder, uh, Carl Masek, I guess is Masek, I don't know. Uh, when he gets mentioned, it tends to be, like, kind of a love-hate proposition. Because he, like, when he imported Robotech, he, like, chopped it up and, like, repackaged it as a new series. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, if I liked something, I guess I wouldn't want somebody getting their grubby nuts all over it. So I'm not totally unsympathetic, but people need to settle the hell down. Yeah. Like, the original mandate for the company was, like, we're going to get movies and make them appealing to an audience, which means mm-hmm. more dubbed than subbed. Uh, not always, like, fanatically literal to the script. Yeah. Which is something that comes up in Fist. I, I I don't know, and people, like, if you read contemporary reviews, they say, like, well, the the dubbing is uh, painfully awful, and, you know, it, it's pretty substandard, like, well, what's the standard? They were the first people to do this since, like, yeah. Speed Racer, yeah. like, there's no standard to be sub or supra to, mm-hmm. uh, and, d- dude, it's... Like, it's clunky, and there's times, like, like the chatterbox, because you have to match, like, the mouth movements. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not saying, like, everything's perfect, like, in Vampire Hunter D, where uh, Doris's little brother is British for some reason. <laughs> like, it's a village with 12 people, and everybody has a different accent. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of like that, actually. Um, but, man, I mean, there's some... Solid performances. Well, like, I don't know how you can look at, like, Bob Bergen and S- Steve Kramer and Barbara Goodson and, like, kind of these old-school artists like that and be like, oh, th- this is terrible. Yeah. Yeah, we need to bring in some, like, 12-year-old who did incidental voices on 100 video games. Mm-hmm. I'm not knocking that either, but, like, it's like complaining, like, oh, well, like, Speed Racer, the dubbing is silly. No. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it's awesome how silly it is. It's like, I'd like I, to see you do better. I might hate Speed Racer if it didn't have <laughs> the dubbing that it does. If it didn't have Lake Icy Chill <laughs> and Ivana Von Vondervon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so, but what I thought, and I think you nailed one of these, uh, there's a diversity of titles. Yes. Um... There's also the fact that these days, if it's an anime, it gets released. Yeah. Like, period. Yeah. You know, that, that, like, it's such an industry there and here, of course. Back then, it really was kind of a cream of the crop approach. Mm-hmm. And it's the same way for, like, 20 years. Uh, everyone, including you and I, were like, man, like, British people are so funny. Yeah. Like, the, uh, why are the British so good at comedy? 
And then eventually you realize, like, oh, they're, they're, they're not. Like, especially Matthew Barry and Peter Serafinowicz are good at comedy. Yeah. Some of them are good yeah. at comedy. You're, what happens... We're just seeing the good ones. Yeah. What happens is that they are importing the six or so best shows. So <laughs> you're watching, like, Garth Marenghi's Dark Place and The Office and The Mighty Boosh, and you're not seeing, like, Them What Lives Up the Apples and Pears and Season 43 of All Things Grow in the Garden and whatever the fuck else. And, and in fairness, and what, what made me realize that is when they would talk to, like, uh, uh, Gervais and Mackenzie Crook and Martin Freeman, and they go like, oh, like, you guys are good at comedy. And they go like, no, no, Americans are good at comedy. The, the Simpsons? Seinfeld? You guys are the best. And you're like, oh, right, because they're watching our four best sitcoms. <laughs> yeah. So because of that, it, they really had everything to choose from. They didn't have to, like, scrape the bottom of any barrels. It was just, what should our first title be? How about Akira? Yeah. Who should our first multi-release director be? How about Hayao Miyazaki? Yeah. Like, like, it, it, it's like Cortez arriving in the new world. Like, I'm, it's just all for me. Like, no one, just what can I do with Eden? Um, and then I think because the goal was to make it stand out so much from standard... Uh, like, you know, this is little kids animation. Yeah. Even though you know, we saw tons of little kids <laughs> animation, like Unico and Max Mouse and shit. Yeah. Like, you didn't even know what anime was when you were watching Nickelodeon as a little kid. Yeah. It's just every now and again there'd be a show or a movie that was better than everything else. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Cities of Gold is weirdly good. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, with a lot of the the more, like, testosterone-fueled stuff, which certainly counts. Mm -hmm. um, it, they explicitly picked titles that wouldn't just blend in with, not, not even like, you know, Disney stuff, but yeah. a lot like Transformers, Silverhawks, mm -hmm. like, what, what can we do that really pops? And so if you want to show, like, what's something American audiences haven't seen before, how about Count Magnus Lee blowing up his henchman's skull? Yeah. How about, uh, you, you know, Golgo 13 shooting the same two bad guys in the head 14 times? Um, Race slicing people in the bits oh with his fingers. God, so I think because of that, this led to uh, what, <laughs> famously, um, Mike Nelson from Rift Rex, uh, a couple of those season eight episodes, he refers to them as violent porn comics. <laughs> And violent porn cartoons. <laughs> which sounds super dismissive, but, like, if the only thing that had been released in the U.S. up until then was Wicked City, yeah, yeah that's a totally fair assessment. Yes. Here are the two movies that, you know, here are the two anime that are available to people so far. Sailor Moon and Yorotsuki Doji, The Legend <laughs> of the Overthink. Uh, so anyways, we've probably talked about that's enough track leading up to Fist. Uh, I like this one, and I get the impression you maybe like it even a little more than I do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What do you like about Fist of the North Star from Baron and Tetsuo Ohara? There's a lot. There's, um... First off, uh, I love the... Just anything that is... 
that in, indulges in like the fantasy elements of martial arts. Oh yeah. Um, like martial arts are like awesome to begin with, but when you add like, you know, using your chi energy to for to focus and you know throw fireballs or like touching pressure points to make people's heads blow up or becoming some sort of eight diagram pole fighter. Yeah. Yeah. Or a kid with a golden arm. Yeah. <laughs> just, uh, just. I'm not trying to get you up. Kid with a golden arm, Shaw Brothers, maybe secretly my favorite Venom mob movie. Um, if you watch it, you understand why it's called that. It sounds like a baseball movie. Yeah, it does. Because <laughs> the others are, are like Five Deadly Venoms, The Crippled Avengers, The Kid with the Golden Arm, and you're like, you're starring Kevin Costner. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I've, I've always liked stuff like that. Um, you know, it's... There's, uh... Like, a bunch of weird characters, like... Watching genre stuff that is literally like... Okay, which freak do I fight next? Like, which monster with a horrifying power do I fight next? Yeah. There's the... There's the whole thing of... And... A lot of movies that I love do this that have very long opening narration. Oh, boy. Like, uh, the the two that pop out in my mind, this, this is North Star, and Ralph Bakshi's Wizards, which is, I think, like, six minutes long. In a, like, 72-minute movie, yes. so. Uh, and a part of that means that they you can just see some lovely... Very, genuinely, like, quite beautiful mm -hmm. still images, which they wanted to animate. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm sure it's the same way, like, halfway through the movie, they go on their quest, and it suddenly becomes, like, reading rainbows. Yeah. Like, they passed through the hills. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, this would be hard to animate when... <laughs> speaking of somebody who loves wizards, we need to do an episode on that yeah. sometime. Oh, God, yes. Um, no, but uh, wizards, I... Susan Terrell just has the most incredible voice. Mm -hmm. Just the world was engulfed in a thousand nuclear holocausts. <laughs> it's the counterpart to this because this is an old guy. It's not. It's not even really like like an evil old Pai Mei sort of guy. Yeah. Voice. The guy has a good voice. It he sounds as baffled by this as we do. Mm -hmm. like, in the constellations, there are. Power and wisdom. And, no, it sounds like William S. Burroughs doing his own narration. <laughs> Somebody got the uh, audio for this and uh, Hexen screwed up. <laughs> uh, so anyways, we're not going to get that granular with this. I was unaccosted by a white-haired gentleman who sliced my arms off with his fingers. The smelly beatnik then proceeded to ask where he could find his sister, and I did not know. <laughs> I was then accosted by a man of indeterminate size who could turn his body to living steel and was voiced by Uncle Phil, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. <laughs> it's true, by the way. Yeah, James Avery. <laughs> I didn't say we had such a cool voice. Yeah. This is going to be us like, like going like, this guy had a cool voice. And this guy had a cool voice. Um, so yeah, you, you get this absolutely banana bread movie. Um, I, I'm with you there. I like stuff that's 
Uh, well, I shouldn't say I like stuff that elevates martial arts because that's what like Dragon Ball does. And mm-hmm. sorry, but that bores me to tears. Yeah, more power to you. But like, I even as a kid, I would like fall asleep trying to watch Dragon Ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, like there was like a marathon, so I'd like fall asleep, wake up, go shave and have breakfast, <laughs> yeah. and then Goku would be kind of finished charging a fireball. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but, but anyways. It, having said that, of course, I love, like, Shaw Brothers, Wu Shaw stuff, this sort mm-hmm. of thing. Um, and this is such a confluence of different uh, material just kind of thrown in a blender. Mm-hmm. And it also uh, influenced so much stuff. Yeah. And it's sort of funny, and I, I hope this doesn't come out of, like, culturally insensitive or anything it's just like an outside observation but because for i think a lot of american audiences unless you just become like a fanatic like you know yankee otaku yeah (laughs) uh anime is like a flat plane it's just there's everything up until about like 1990 just it's not on a timeline It's, it's just like a blob a cauldron that you can draw from yeah and uh and then we tend to get stuff, less so these days, but back then, you you know, you'd wait 10 years for something to make it from Japan to America. Yeah. Um, it's always weird to me when I read about, uh, like, uh, an anime or a manga that was game-changing or really, uh, you know, influenced, like, another generation. And for me, it's just, there's just, like, a million of them. Yeah. There's, there's like, a billion series, and they all have a million episodes, and... You, you know, you don't draw the distinction between, like, the eight different types of Robotech mm-hmm. or the 16 different Gundam series. And yet, I'll be reading stuff where it'll say, like, oh, uh, Evangelion, which I never actually watched. Mm-hmm. But, like, the wiki on it says, uh, oh, it was, like, a game changer for adult uh, anime. And it came along when, like, the uh, industry was kind of moribund. And it caused, uh, like, Japanese critics to take anime more seriously. Like, mm-hmm. I thought they always did. I know that's just, I know that's just, like, me not knowing mm-hmm. my history, but I'm like, I thought that was the, I thought they always took it seriously, which is why it was so good yeah. so long before ours was. And it's interesting, like, game-changing anime. Which this is, is why I bring it up. Yeah. Go yeah. <laughs> like... You look at stuff like Cowboy Bebop, where basically a good selling point for Cowboy Bebop is, hey, do you want to watch an anime, but, like, you don't like anime? <laughs> like, you just don't like it, but you still want to see something that's anime? Watch Cowboy Bebop. <laughs> no, it is very much, it's like the, you know, get your roommate to read Sandman. Yeah. Like, don't don't start them on... I. Even a Watchmen, it like like yeah. has, it, it's amazing, of course. But even that presupposes that you care about like the history of superheroes. Yeah. Uh, whereas like Sandman, you're like, yeah, j- just read Dream of a Thousand Cats and then tell me if you want some more. <laughs> yeah. So this is yeah, this is not totally unlike that. Um, and so Fist of the North Star, it, it didn't invent like that. Uh, was it the Bishonen, like b- boys manga, broadly speaking. Yeah, it didn't invent that by any means, but it did sort of kick the doors down 
mm-hmm. like a lot of what followed was in this vein for the longest time. Wasn't didn't JoJo draw from this? Yeah, yeah. JoJo, especially uh, the uh, Jotaro Kujo incarnation. Mm-hmm. Uh, first, there's the fact that they're both like kind of grouches. That's every uh, anime hero. Yeah. They, they are all stoic. Yeah. It's just a question of you like a stoic monster like Golgo or yeah. like noble and stoic like D. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, like all you have to do is see, uh, you know, Jodoro use his stand, Star Platinum, and like the ura, 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 ura. Yeah. And it's the 100 crack fest of the North Stars. Mm-hmm. Like that. that's become such a go-to awesome move for mm-hmm. like characters yeah and then it's funny i mean you watch fist of the north star for the first time and it's insane and then you realize how normal it is compared to jojo yeah oh my god yes because jojo is just like okay what if all this was happening but half the characters were ghosts named after ario speedwagon <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah I, anyways do a JoJo episode sometime, who knows. Uh, but, yeah, Fist of the North Star, uh, we, we don't need to go through, uh, like, a point-by-point plot synopsis. But I gotta say, uh, I, I don't know how many times I've seen this since I was mm-hmm. a kid. Got a copy of Blockbuster. Yeah. It's always been a favorite. I, I haven't seen it, like, a hundred times. But mm-hmm. if you told me I'd seen it ten, I might believe you. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. Uh, I've been a whole lot over the years... And like I say, uh, we were watching this, and uh, you know, you and me, and then me and uh, Prissy, we put this on. Um, we watched like Ninja Scroll and a couple of others from around mm-hmm. the same era, and they're all good. But Fist holds up. Yes, I gotta say, out of the, this spate of early releases that we're talking about, uh, just just to randomly compare it again, like we watched Golgo. Golgo is amazing. It is kind of gross. Yes. Yeah. And I don't care about the violence, but like that, that is a lurid Yes. Movie. Oh, my God. Uh, and, and it's a good-looking movie, yeah. but it's it's even older than this. It's you can it's a little choppy. Mm-hmm. Not the movement, but, like, it almost looks sketchy in places. Yeah, like when he's, uh, spoiler alert, when Golgo uh, shoots up gold, like the animation is very choppy. Yeah. And then uh, same thing like Vampire Hunter D, which is amazing. Probably a lot of people's you know first for this sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I love it. It's delightful. I will say, watching it, that wasn't actually a theatrical film. That was an OVA. Mm-hmm. And there are bits. It's it's a good looking movie. There are bits where you can see the stitching, where you you go like, okay, this is way better looking than a TV show. This isn't quite on par with yeah. the movie. Yeah. This to the North Star, this looks like a movie-ass movie, <laughs> to, to steal mm-hmm. a phrase. Like, this looks big and widescreen. And it's not even that it's not without inconsistencies. Look at any bad guy. Any henchman in this movie is the size they want them to be at a given time. Yeah. So, yeah, when, when Zeta appears and uh, menaces Bat and Len, first blush, Zeta... Maybe ten feet tall, mm-hmm. easily thirty by the time. Yes, like 
he stomps on Lynn and instead of like, oh, he's like, he's so big and heavy, he's crushing her. Somebody just decided, how about her entire body fits under his show? Yeah. Meaning that he has a four-foot insole. Yeah. <laughs> Sideshow Bob over here. It's... The same thing happens with, like, yeah. the Whip Master, uh, Uncle Phil, like, mm-hmm. everybody. I know it's a, it's, he's just the Fang Clan leader, right? Yeah. He doesn't have a character name. I think he does, I just forget what it is. It's Uncle Phil. We'll know that. But I always, I think it's interesting with, uh, you know, touching upon the animation quality. Mm-hmm. It really is, it's like how when you watch a cartoon and the opening credits are so much nicer oh looking God, than yes. the actual thing where you, you watch the opening credits and you're like, holy shit, oh, I want to see this show. And then it's like, oh, this is what it looks like. But no, like Fist always looks like that. Yeah. Uh, so I, I do wonder, do kids these days, but modern shows don't do that, right? So like Last Airbender... Like has a consistent level of animation. Yeah. Like uh, you know, like the opening to Samurai Jack looks like the rest of Samurai Jack. Yeah. Well, things things are very stylized now. Yeah. So. Yeah. I'm, so I'm just thinking like Ducktales or Steven Universe or whatever. Like, it, it, it's all more like on model than it used yeah. to be. But again, maybe we're being slightly nostalgic. But oh my god, yeah. Like if you watch the opening to like Thundercats. Or the Peter Chung opening yeah. to cops. Oh my god, that They're opening. Like, wow, what am I in store for? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Not much. None of this. For here, like, like, yeah, the the cops opening is going to look as good as Elon Flux. Yeah. And the episode is going to look worse than Stunt Dogs. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so this movie... Um, this plays slightly hard and fast with the uh, the series, mm-hmm. which I don't think is like insanely long c- compared to uh, uh, you know, One Piece, yeah, or one of those. Um, so I, I don't think uh, Fist of the North Star like broke any records in terms of length or anything, but mm-hmm. it's long. There's like there's like two hundred episodes of the TV series and. Yeah, probably 500 chapters in the manga. And they did a thing in this movie, which I haven't seen a ton of other places with anime. They condense a good chunk of the story. Yeah. Now, not the entire story. I think the manga might have still been running, for all I know. But for equivalency, uh, the showdown between Ken and Shen Mm -hmm. is maybe like the three-quarter mark in this. Yeah. Years after this came out, we watched the, I think it was manga video release, the TV mm-hmm. series, which, which is a lot of fun in its own yeah. way. But when we watched that, uh, 20 or 30 episodes to get to the end of the the Shen storyline. Yeah. Yeah. And then they did, like, Ray had just shown up. Yes. Ray had just shown yeah. up. Uh, but before they stopped releasing it in America. And so the result is that, w- without exaggeration, every 10 minutes or so of this movie, mm-hmm. possibly two to 300 pages of comic book, mm-hmm. and something like eight hours of television. Yeah. And can I let you in on a secret? What? This is the best version. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it, it ends up being insane because, like, this movie just, like, moves and moves and moves and moves. And if you go in blind, you're like, how many bad guys does this thing have? <laughs> like, how, how many... Every 15 minutes, he's having a showdown with his next mortal enemy. Uh, that's the way to do it, though. And th this is just my personal taste. I, I think a lot of people are, like, Abed, where they, they want the anime that lasts for 600 episodes. Yeah. They want the Doctor Who that you'll never get to the end of. I would love it if every anime could just respect my time and just be two hours long. <laughs> so if you could do, like... like one piece as like two 90 minute movies i'd be a one piece fan <laughs> uh so I, I think that really works in its favor they don't do that with a lot of stuff right no they don't sometimes they'll do like like patch-ups so they'll release like yeah. a movie that's like a scrapbook of like tv show episodes that's just bullshit mm -hmm. here they just animated it and like fast motion to the story yeah thank god <laughs> uh, so the result is that for instance uh, Kenshiro and Rei become fast friends fast yeah <laughs> very fast it's just like oh I'll help you get your sister back but I know you you think I'm the bad guy but I'm not I'll take your word for it yeah, yeah the two of them are like when you're starting a role playing game <laughs> yeah. hey you're a good fighter we should be yeah, friends let's be friends <laughs> yeah um uh, <laughs> Well, let's talk about uh, a couple of the characters, because uh, they're fun. In a movie where everybody uh, looks the same from the neck down, um, <laughs> a lot of the characters in this are a lot of fun. I know that the, the manga and anime have, like, it goes much further, and it's more fleshed out, so, like, Shen is only one of, like, the yeah. South Star school. There's an extra North Star brother, Toki Wartooth, who uh, was left out of the movie for understandable reasons. Uh, we'll worry about that later, but just in terms of the, the movie, like, uh, who, who do you like? What popped for you? I like, uh, well, of course, there's Ray, who just has, like, his kind of the, the way he indulges in. Uh, punishing the villains. Um, I like the kids, Bat and Lynn. Lynn is just this cute little kid who... She's a moppet. Yeah. yeah, and the fact that she is actually the savior is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Like, the Kinshiro is just meant to be her guardian, her protector. Yeah, and that's... Again, is that something that was true of the comics? I think so. Okay. Because uh, I see a lot less reference to that, uh, you know, in, like, the manga. and Just, just kind of doing my homework. I haven't read the whole thing. But that's... There's stuff in this that I think is accidentally profound. Mm -hmm. And that, like, I found affecting in a way that maybe the makers of this violent porn cartoon didn't. Yeah. Actually, for... for an early 90s anime. This isn't that horny. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways, uh, but maybe we'll end on that note, though. Um, yeah, the kids are cute. Uh, Kinshiro's like your stock stoic hero, but he's fun. Yeah. He, he's cool. He, he somehow has Wrangler jeans. After the <laughs> I love how, like, food doesn't exist. 
but we're not short on boot cut jeans and shoulder pads. Yeah. Yeah, and every shoulder pad has, like, fur trim and feathering, yeah. even though we never see an animal. Yeah. Sadly, the movie lacks the best character in the series, Peru the dog. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, Peru. Um, we do see an animal, Rouse Horse. That's, which, oh, God, I love Rouse Horse. Rouse Horse, I love how Rouse Horse is... One of the toughest characters in the series. Mm-hmm. Since it can withstand punches from Ken. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I just love that. Rouse Horse is amazing. Um, so we, we do get uh, any number of characters. Uh, not a whole lot of women. And that's just something you have to deal with. Like, eventually some of these movies, not this, but like, yeah, as more anime came in, it obviously yeah. got more diversified. You got series with, you know, a female protagonist. Mm-hmm. You know, like, does, does Sailor Moon pass the Bactyl test? Yeah. <laughs> um, it must be said that Fist the North Star, it's almost like a master and commander thing. So, like, like Wicked City hates women, mm-hmm. you know? I think Go-Go 13 maybe hates women, uh, Fist of the North Star forgets they exist. Yeah. And the same way Master and Commander is just like, there's no women in this movie. Why would there be women? Who wants a woman when we could be sailing around the Cape of Good Hope? We could be discovering Galapagos. It's it's the equivalent of those memes uh, that I love. The, the guys in the background like taking a shower and the girl... <laughs> It's yeah, like, is he talking to other women on his phone? And then she checks the phone, and it'll say like "House of Trades Bloodline," <laughs> yeah, yeah. or like "Why the Royal Family are all reptiloids." <laughs> you know how, how to make like uh, like uh, game accurate star fonts or <laughs> just the most like autistic boy pursuits. I I have such a soft spot for that kind of like because it's not really misogynistic; it's just stupid. Mm-hmm. And there's a similar feeling here where it's it's not like, oh, uh, you know, it's the future and we're, we're horny and we're going to have rape gangs like in you know, Crossed or something. Like, no, you forget women exist. Women get in the way of fighting. Why would I want a woman when I could walk slowly to the next town? <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm busy punching things. <laughs> yeah, and so you have a woman who is just... Becomes like human trafficked by Jackie, who we'll get to in a minute. And then Julia, who I guess doesn't get like as badly abused, but is just uh, a chess piece that gets moved around between different bad yeah. guys. I think the comic has a couple more, like they expand yeah. it a little bit. But uh, Mamiya, who has like a razor buzz, razor yeah. uh, yo-yo. Like her stick, she's not as much of a martial artist, because she's a girl. So she's a master of weapons. Mm-hmm. Against the stick. Um, yeah, there's... I mean, Lynn is the main female character. Let's leave it at that. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, we have a couple great characters. Uh, we have Shin. Mm-hmm. Who... The idea of, like, the anime rival goes back so goddamn yeah. far. Like, I, I, w- I would be curious to know what the first uh, manga was where that was the thing. The types. I guess this is different, though, because the rival is meant to be, like, Ryu and Ken, or, like, Ranma and Ryoga. 
the rival is not a bad guy. Yeah. Like, Ryoga is an opponent, but he's not a villain, you know? Yeah. So maybe that's not quite the same thing, because Shen is straight up evil. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it still, there's a real Ken and Ryu thing going on when you see the blonde guy fighting the brunette, and the blonde guy's cooler. <laughs> <laughs> um, Shen's pretty dope, and in the... We did, of course, watch the dub. Yeah. This is a streamline. Uh, it's Michael McConaughey. Oh, yeah. Wonderful, wonderful voice. This guy's still working. He has his own production company. You know, he's old school. Um, I don't think I realized until more recently, Yeah, certainly after I'd seen this stuff for the first time, he was kind of the MVP for a lot of those streamlined yeah. dubs. Uh, they, they had a great stable of characters. You you tend to have, like, like the old guy was always the same. The, the kind mentor was always the same mm-hmm. guy. Um, McConaughey was their their leading man. Yeah. So he played. He would either play the hero in the case of he played Vampire Hunter D, mm-hmm. uh, or he would play the villain in the case of like Shen and Cagliostro. Yeah. Uh, Leonard Dawson from Go Go Thirteen. Hmm. He's he's incredible. Yeah. That. Like he has like speeches in there when like this is this isn't like yeah. good for a cartoon. This is good acting. Yes. Um. So he, I think he really ups the level. I think I like Shen more than I should, just because of that performance. You have Rao, who is the uh, the best fighter, mm-hmm. like the strongest character. Yeah, who wins at the end. Um, yeah, I do like how he he wins at the end, but realizes oh, I kind of shouldn't be doing this. Yeah. So Rao is, you know, which is an interesting choice. Maybe we'll come back to like like. The sort of ambitious uh, warrior who thinks too much of himself, who has mm-hmm. the power but can't focus it with like wisdom and yeah. mercy. Sort of, he's actually right. He can just beat everybody and does. Yeah, Rao does not lose a fight in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's borderline inhuman. And then, uh, oh, the, the two coolest characters who come in at the same time, Ray. Mm-hmm. With the finger blades, yeah, these belong to you. <laughs> Chopping the arms off. Um, what do you think of Ray? Ray is pretty awesome. This, the swagger is yeah. definitely there, and also his martial art Nanto Suichoken. Yeah, is it's I think somewhere like in either the show or the books. They describe they describe it as a beautiful and horrifying. Yeah, and it, it is graceful compared to like Rao's thing of just standing still and then his aura blows you up. Yeah. Or Jaggy like throwing acid in your face, <laughs> whatever his yeah. technique is. Ray has like this graceful, you know, swan like gestures that draw geometric patterns and they cut you open. Mm-hmm. Again, Ray was the character where even as a kid you were like. That's boss. Yeah. Like, compared to the rest of the movie, yes. Ray was the character who, if you were playing with your friends, you would fight over who got to be Ray. Yeah. He's cooler than Kenshiro, to be <laughs> yes. honest. Uh, he's also white-haired, which is explained in the anime and uh, is explained in, like, the long series. Not here. He's just Steve Martin here. <laughs> uh, and then we have my favorite character... It was the the creators. It's Burnson and Tetsuo Hara. One of them, 
or the others said that Jaggy was their favorite character. I, I think so. Yeah. And I agree. Yeah. Jaggy, Jaggy like, like, there's no shortage of, like, slimeball anime villains. Mm-hmm. Even compared to that, Jaggy is the fucking filth of the earth. Yeah. It's, it's like how, like, there's bad guys, and then there's Kid Miracle Man. Yeah. There's the other villains, then there's Jaggy, which is just... You would scrape him off your show. And the, the, I think the funniest thing about Jaggy is something that I... It's, it's something I noticed like years and years ago. It said, uh, out of the you know, north, south, east, and west, the four brothers. Uh-huh. Um, out of the four of them, uh, Jaggy is by far far the weakest yeah which makes him one of the most dangerous men who has ever lived yeah so i just like that kind of power leveling absolutely and you see that when uh his henchman uh jackal yeah like wakes him up by accident he's like do you think i'm ugly get another look and you realize like oh he can, he can just like slaughter anybody except for Maybe four other characters. <laughs> yeah. But, like, it would be interesting, like, could Jaggy have taken Ray if it had come down to a fight? It wouldn't have. Yeah. Because he would just, like, use his sister as a human shield because of his personality. Mm-hmm. But, uh, so, yeah, he, you know, he's no match for some of the others, but he could, there's a reason he's Lord of the Wasteland in their absence. Yeah. Um, and you find out that... Jackie is the most purely evil character in the series. Yeah. Because Shin is a megalomaniac, but he, he's driven by love. Yeah. So it's like perverse and horrible and everything, but it's like fundamentally like, I want this. Yeah. And he, he was like once good, then turned bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, one of his things is, he does love Julia, but... He kind of looks in the world, looks at the world, and realizes like things crumble and die. That happens to everything. Like, please, why don't you and I just enjoy this world? Yeah, before we, it just crumbles to bits. Yeah, I think that's it. Where characters like you know Len or Julia believe in renewal, and with uh, Shannon, it's not even really nihilism, because I mean. Look at how the world is. That would maybe justifiable. Mm-hmm. It's not even nihilism, but it's the sense that everything is fugacious. Yeah, and like even if you're like the greatest martial artist in the world, like these guys, there's no suggestion you're gonna live more than yeah. You know, you're what four score and ten. Or you're still need to eat and yeah. drink, which is not very easy in this world. Yeah, and it, it you know it's it's all it's all played to the rafters. It's all melodramatic, but. Yeah, after Shin dies, and this, it's, he gets killed by Rao, but, like, holds it together yeah. long enough, which is <laughs> such an interesting choice. And, uh, you know, he, he says, like, it was an honor to fight Ken, like, you were the only one who loved me, as, loved her as much as I did. And Kenshiro says, uh, he says, no, you loved her more than I did, because no one can love as strongly as a madman. Which mm-hmm. is, like, a, you know, like, a big comic booky way to yeah. put that. But that lands, like, that actually sums up the character. And then Rao is terrifying, but Rao, Rao's just, like, a force of nature. Yeah. Like, he's he's not even shown to be, like, especially cruel. 
He's just dominating. It would be like if God showed up. Yeah. Yeah. Jaggy is the one who will like like fuck with you. Mm-hmm. Jaggy's like the Randall flag that will like get friends to turn yeah. out each other. So you find out uh, he uh, kidnaps uh, Ray's sister. Uh, presumably abuses her. Thankfully, we don't have to see all of that. But she's like mentally, she's just destroyed from the experience. Yeah, she refuses to open her eyes because yeah. she doesn't want to see anything. Yeah, going on. Anything and, he does, and then Lynn heals her. Uh, so yeah, he's just uh, you know, like her, her other senses are more powerful, like her sense of touch. You bastard! <laughs> yeah, like he's just so so grotesque. Like they they mm-hmm. don't they never once they go is that too far? With yeah, them. he tries to kill Kenshiro by throwing him off a cliff after he's already lost a fight. Then impersonates him. Yeah. So he can't just go rule the wasteland. He has to give his brother a bad name. <laughs> yeah. And presumably piggyback on his. Mm-hmm. Although that's interesting because Kenshiro gets the seven scars. Yeah. Famously, like, the, you know, the Big Dipper mm-hmm. pattern. Then he gets thrown in the cliff. He doesn't have a reputation yet. Yeah. So Jaggy's not cashing in on his reputation. <laughs> He's just doing it to be smirched the name of a good man. Yeah. And then my, maybe my favorite touch, it's like, okay, he's like evil and he's a piece of shit. You find out he's the reason why Shen turned bad. Yeah. Shen would never have dreamed of betraying his friend or trying to steal Julia, but Jaggy planted the idea in his ear. And it even shows him, like, Shen's, like, standing there, arms crossed, like a weather mm-hmm. game. And Jaggy's lurking on the side. It's such an Iago vibe. Yeah. He even does that with Rao. He does that with everyone. Yeah. Like, people will say that you're not the strongest. Not me. But who knows what your reputation will be. Like, yeah. Everything. It, it really is. Right down to the fact the names are only one letter off. There's a real Iago vibe. Yeah. To Jaggy. And it's. Oh, wow. I think you would. No, no. It's more of a Shelbyville idea. What? Tell me the idea, and I'll do it. It's really more of a Southern Cross idea. <laughs> it's really more of a Dungeons of Cassandra idea. <laughs> Why? I've taught martial arts lessons to Souther and Hart, and it put them on the map. Yeah, we could literally do this all day. Um, so J- Jaggy is the most fun character. He gets he's so dead. Yes. And famously, let, let's talk about that for a minute. Yeah, his, we're, his yeah, thing. We're sort of taking it as read that people know about, like, the brutality of, like, Fist the North Star, where they do pressure point touches and it makes you explode. Yeah. Um, and they get more intricate in the manga and the anime series. Yeah, of course like, they do. He has a different move for each villain, and they say what it is, and he explains to them why while they are dying... What is happening to them? Yeah. Like, it, like the North Star Heaven's Closing Gate is like, the muscles in your back are contracting. Soon it will fold in half backwards completely and your spine will snap. Yeah. Isn't there one that forces you to walk until you die? Something like it's, that? Yeah, it's, it's somebody who... The North Star Fist of Remaining Regret. Seven seconds after he pulls his thumbs out of your head, uh, you're, you explode. And it even has a counter at the bottom of the screen. Which, by the way, is one of my favorite touches with Jaggy, the reason he's so disfigured. He picks a fight with Ken, 
brings a shotgun <laughs> and she can try like he gives him a chance to leave and when he doesn't he does like the pressure point Jackie is just good enough at the technique that he can counteract it so his head is half exploded <laughs> yeah he, he mushes his head back into place and wears an like a metal grating on his head to keep it yeah. from blowing up. And I don't know, the, like, this might as well be like ASMR for me as much as I love this because there's like at least a couple of sequences where Kenshiro will do like a pressure point technique on him and then Jackie will like stab himself in the throat and the bicep to counteract it before like yeah. he starts shooting himself or things start blowing up. <laughs> There's a point where you realize that you might be outmatched. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Jackie's technique is all about cheating. He has his shotgun, the lone remaining firearm. Maybe. Like every every, I don't know about the manga, but everything in the the movie is just like the last horse, the last car. On yeah. He also oh, no, has. Uh, there's two because of bats doom buggy. Yeah. <laughs> he also has. Uh... He also has, he has the shotgun, he has uh, dynamite and gasoline, yeah. and he spits needles. Yeah, and it's great, and the, and not the weird CGI ones, but there's like a, a 2D fighting game, which yeah. I think you can, you can get, but it hasn't been localized. Yeah. You can like find it places. Um, very fun, uh. Just Street Fighter Three, but it's the Fist of the North Star characters. A uh, big surprise, the series lends itself to fighting games. Yeah. I love Jaggy because he does cheat moves. So for, like, one of his specials, he, like, rips up, like, a pole, like a telephone pole from under the ground and hits you with it. Yeah. It's like Whole Horse from the JoJo's Bizarre Adventure game. Yeah, he cheats. He yeah. blows smoke in your face, hits you in the face with a brick. It sticks his finger in your ass. Well, it's literally a move of his. Which is, uh, you know, JoJo's, of course, a lot of fun, too. But Whole Horse is one of the best characters in JoJo because he's a piece of shit. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you're a villain. We have villains. We want scumbags. And the thing with Whole Horse is uh, they haven't gotten back to him, but he's technically alive. Oh, okay. Because... One of the bullets he shoots ends up hitting him in the head, and they even say, like, the, the doctors, when they're bringing him to the hospital, they even say, like, oh, believe it or not, he's actually lucky. A centimeter, uh, a centimeter higher, and he would have died. So, like, whole horse may return with, like, a big fucking hole in his face. <laughs> oh, no, then he'd look weird. <laughs> um... Yeah, it's the reason Cobra Commander is more fun than Serpentor. We like Dirtbag. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, anyways, and the the plot, such as it is, is just this, you know, kind of fast-forwarding through these different arcs. Um, that ends up being weirdly effective, because instead yes. of, like, I'm going to fight Shin for a little while, and then I'm going to fight the Fang Clan for a little while, things happen concurrently. Yeah. Like, Rao fights the Fang Clan. Yeah, which is fascinating. Like, in the se- the longer series, those are bad guys that Ken has to fight. Yeah. They're, they're pretty colorful. I like mm-hmm. those guys. Here, they never meet. They only appear to fight Rao. And so, mm-hmm. you keep cutting back to Rao for surprisingly long stretches. And from what I understand of, like, the Japanese fandom, I think Rao is a, might as well be the main character. Like, he's, 
he's not just a, like a supporting villain or like M. Bison, like a memorable bad guy. Or yeah. Whatever. Like Rao has his own sub-series and what, like movies and things. Mm-hmm. I, I think he's, after Kinshiro, like far and away, he, he kind of strong batted the series at some points, it seems. Uh. And so, again, I think that's, like, accidental, but ends up being weirdly effective that while all of this is going on, Rao is always on the horizon. Mm-hmm. It's like how, like, you guys can keep worrying about the throne, but the White Walkers are going to show up eventually. Yeah. Like, maybe, maybe stop worrying about, like, you know, trade relations with Dorne. <laughs> Rao has that feeling of, like, a natural disaster, and that's what happens with Shen. Like, he's... He, before Kenshiro even gets to him, he, he's like, oh, like, Rao just keeps getting more and more powerful. Like, it, it ends up being... There's, like, a whole plot line of, like, Shen and Rao going to war that we don't yeah. really see that would have been interesting. There's also the implication, like... Shen's, like, a dictator, of course. Mm-hmm. By the standards of the series, he doesn't seem that bad, right? No. It, it's like an anti-entity sort of thing, where it's mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, like, it's the wasteland. We're going to be ruled over by, like, a dictator yeah. with an iron fist. Having said that, wouldn't you rather the ruler of the wasteland be Shen than Jaggy? Yeah. Wouldn't you rather live in Barter Town than work for a Morton Joe? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> So there's a lot. By the way, yeah, that's maybe as good a time as any to mention this. Because there's a lot of Mad Max in the DNA. Yeah. I mean, do you? I, I've been chattering. Do you want to explain what some of the components that went into this milkshake were? Well, yeah. Um, initially, when this... This is a bit of a history lesson. Um, when Tetsuo Ohara, the creator of the series, the manga series and the, everything else... Uh, he was working on uh, the magazine Shonen Jump in Japan, and he was told, like, by his boss, like, we're gonna have to let you go in, in like, a few months, and uh, it was basically, like, the thing of, like, how Stanley did Spider-Man, of, like, you know, if I'm going out, I'm gonna do... Uh, the thing I always wanted to do. Which is how they made Final Fantasy, which is yeah. why it's called that. Like, you guys can make one more game and then it ends up being yeah. you know, legendary. And so he... Hugely successful. He, Tetsuo Ohara was working on a race car manga, which was... Those are... No, those are popular in Japan. Kenshiro, you've just become the fist of the North Star. What's your next big project? I'm, uh... Doing a car picture with Dom DeLuise. <laughs> yeah, and it was... It, I love it because it was called Iron Don Quixote. I love how the Japanese name sounds. And uh, like, he wasn't enjoying working on that. And he just thought, like, okay, I'll, I'll do my own thing. I'll do, like, one last story in the back. And he, he was always fascinated by... Uh, he was always fascinated by martial arts and acupuncture. Oh, yeah. He just thought those were two really cool things, and he just combined them and thought, like, what if, like, you could hit the right pressure points and people would just blow up or, like, you know, bend backwards or just do crazy shit? And he just, he made kind of a proto Fist of the North Star, and, uh, 
it became super popular and the guy said like I'm actually not firing you you know yeah. keep doing this and uh, it, it morphed into like the Fist of the North Star we have now but it's interesting because in the proto Fist of the North Star it took place in what was the present day it wasn't what's about to go essentially and that's something it was that in, oh, go ahead go ahead sorry uh, later on uh, Tetsuo Hara would create a prequel to Fist of the North Star, which is about, I believe, Kenshiro's dad, and it's called Fist of the Blue Sky. Okay. Where he's a teacher at a girls' school. Oh, wait, so the apocalypse happened, like, within 20 years or so? I think so. Because that, that's that's something I, like, I have no barometer of with this series. It's 1990X. Come on, now. Oh, so this takes place before Mega Man 2, but... <laughs> um, but this, this is one of those series where you're like, is this five years after the apocalypse? Is it a hundred years after the apocalypse? It's, it's uh, the thing is, the apocalypse is recent because uh, Bat and Lynn knew each other before. But he even says, really? like, oh. yeah, he even says he's like, uh, you know, uh, before uh, the before the nuclear war, our families were friends. She used to talk all the time. She used to talk so so much. We called her Motor Mouth. And it's just that's that actually makes it more depressing because it's one thing if you're uh, like Vampire Hunter D, like we both have a good cackle that it takes place ten thousand years. Yes. the movie takes place in like twelve zero zero eighty six. It's like it's like twelve zero. It's farther than Dune. Like. Yeah, it like I'm so used to series doing that. This this happened like a couple years ago. Yeah. It makes you feel even worse for the characters. Yeah. Um, so, and I, by the way, I know it's, everything starts in the apocalypse, so it's it's just an excuse for uh, moving on, but there are moments of, like, bleakness in this that I, I think are weirdly effective, where it's just, things are so flat, so hopeless, and yeah, like, Lynn's like, we, we gotta, like, believe in ourselves. Mm -hmm. We gotta, we gotta, like, Bring things back to life. Uh, you've seen this story like a million times, so it's not reinventing the wheel, but I, it's a story you've heard, but I think it does it well enough. Mm -hmm. And there are moments where, again, like Shen just saying, like, let's just enjoy it, because like, when this is done, we're done. Yeah. And it reminded me of uh, like just a comic that I thought was terrific, uh, like Why the Last Man? Mm -hmm. Which, if people haven't read it, it has a great like elevator premise. Uh, within the span of about sixty seconds, every single living thing with a Y chromosome dies. Every animal, every human, you name it. And so, the series follows the last two males on Earth, a monkey and a guy. Yeah. So, a you know, it gives you a lot of chance for some good female characters, and it's just funny and well written and whatever. But they acknowledge that, that there's a real ticking clock thing with it. Yeah. And, uh, like, if something happens to Yorick, why the last one? Yeah. Or if they, like, save him but he's sterile or something, that's it. It's, it's a children of men apocalypse, yeah. which is, like, so much more depressing. Mm -hmm. that, like, the decay as opposed to the destruction. Yeah. And my favorite moment in Why the Last Man, uh, the character, they're in the middle of like a, they've been on the road for six months, they have to get from like New York to LA, mm -hmm. so it's a great like damnation alley yeah. story. 
Um, but there's just a point where I can't even remember the animal, but somebody pauses and goes like, you know, gerbils are extinct now. And like they, they start to do the math. It's like, well, what has like a lifespan of six months? What has a gestation period of six months? And they start mm-hmm. to figure it out. And they're like, you know that in 20 years, like 10 years from now, dogs won't exist. Yeah. Like this species will die. Then this species will die. Forget humans, like anything except like turtles and elephants. Mm. <laughs> Parrots are going to die before us. And it's such a like like it's such a sad way of contextualizing that that it, it ends up being like really good in mm. the middle of your road warrior comic. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, this takes Bruce Lee. Mm-hmm. Uh I think I read somewhere that the artist Loved Bruce Lee, but at the time, like, there was no real VHS stuff. Mm-hmm. So he would draw Bruce Lee from memory, which, if true, is cool, because that explains why Kenshiro kind of looks like Bruce Lee, but not that much. <laughs> yeah. uh, it is essentially, like, Mad Max starring Bruce Lee. Yeah. Plus, you know, guys can, like, do Colossus scans and stuff like that when mm-hmm. they need to. Uh, I'm sold. Yeah, like if, if <laughs> you show me the sizzle, I want the steak. If you were gonna do me, do me like a shitty like it's Westworld with dinosaurs, like mm-hmm. one of those pitches. Uh, Mad Max, but it's the Shaw Brothers. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm not gonna say no to that. Like, like <clears throat> I would rather watch a Mad Max ripoff than a Star Wars ripoff any day. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. And that that's kind of like the story, and it all leads up to a battle with Rao, which Rao wins. <laughs> yes, he kills Ray. We get your favorite song plays. Yeah, Heart of Madness. Ah, uh, ah, uh, give me my life. I give you my, my energy. <laughs> it, it's this close to being the protect my balls. Yeah, let's fighting song. love. Yeah. By the way, uh, I looked up the uh, lyrics to Let's Fighting Love because it it is uh, partially in uh, Japanese. And the rest, it's half of it's in Japanese and half of it isn't racist, but it is funny. But but it's like it really is like uh, you know, please protect my penis. It is precious. I need my penis for life to continue living. Just stuff like that. Like it's like this. It's like how the mariachi song in Orgasmo. If you know, yeah, uh, Spanish, they're saying like. Our penises are small and ugly, and everyone knows uh, it. Priscilla heard that. <laughs> she cracked up. Uh, so anyways. Um, but that's the thing with... Not, not to go off on a whole huge tangent. That's the thing with South Park. Like, I don't really like South Park that much. I Like, if I watch a whole episode, I'll get bored. Yeah. Um, and, it, like, when they choose to be, like, masters of satire. Uh, you have Trey and Matt set their sights on climate change and trans people, and they're always wrong. And like 10 <laughs> yeah. years later, they, they're like, oh yeah, we were wrong about like the man bear pig episode. There's mm-hmm. all sorts of stuff that where I'm like, I'm not that big a fan of South Park. There's isolated like scenes of that show that are insanely funny to me. Yes. So I'm like, I, I don't I don't care about them. Like, here's our take on Medicare for all or mm-hmm. or like Elian Gonzalez or like, I don't give a shit. Yeah. 
But when they just go like, yeah, how about like two of the characters fight and it's they live? <laughs> how about Cartman has a freak out and it's altered states? How about he teases Cthulhu and it's my neighbor Totoro? Yeah. Like, <laughs> there will be bits in there. Yeah. Which if they can, they don't, they don't do satire well. That's the, yes. they're like, they're the master satirist. Like, no, that's their weak spot. Yeah. They suck at satire. They're good at being fucking lunatics. Yeah. Um, so yeah, when, when they can do like, that's her, my like that <laughs> shit, that that's the funny shit. Snooky uh, watch me. That's the thing. I don't like any South Park characters, but I love a whole bunch of South Park noises. <laughs> <laughs> or like Scott Tennerman, and it's the killing joke. Yeah, uh, I gotta tip my hat. They don't overplay the references. So, uh, anyways, since we like this one, this will be a short episode. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's the plot, and it it ends somewhat ambiguously, but uh, I said before that there's things about how this is presented that I think are, like, accidentally cool. It's on Mm -hmm. purpose cool. Yeah. It's rad, and it's exciting, and I like the characters. There's choices that I think they didn't mean to make, which end up being oddly effective. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're both fans of, like, uh, The Flophouse. Yeah. The great bad movie podcast. I think it's uh, uh, Dan McCoy on that. He, he mentions something. Uh, he says sometimes when a horror movie is badly made, it's scarier. Yeah. Like, sometimes it's just boring and stupid. But, like, if there's a horror movie and it's, like, inept in certain ways mm-hmm. it ends up being unsettling yeah it, it feels off in a yeah. way um and i sort of know what he means this isn't a scary movie but there's things that i don't think were conscious decisions which still work for me and i might use that as like my big important final word on this uh, uh what, what do you think I, you, you know even more about the series than i do uh how do you like the movie? Like, what what's your takeaway? Um, I I enjoy the movie. I I always have. You know, it's not one of those things that I go back to and I'm like, oh, this wasn't as good. And I go back and I was like, oh no, this was just as good as it was when I was eight. So, <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, it's you know, it's like I said with the uh, kind of exaggerated martial arts type stuff um like the endless freak show of bad guys it's the right kind of gumbo of stuff that makes it so appealing to me mm-hmm. like uh yeah this the fact that it's basically a kind of a wujia thing yeah. that it's uh you know Kind of philosophical, uh, just just different stuff like that. Yeah, I I totally get what you mean, and um, I I said it before, and if it sounded like I was joking, I, I am sincere. The fact that this is a compacted version of the narrative mm-hmm. makes me like it so much, and it's the same way you know I, I like JoJo's Bizarre Adventure as much as the next guy. Yeah, but I don't want to watch. 40 episodes of the show. I don't want to watch, I don't want to read 7,000 pages 
mm-hmm. of like newsprint manga, I'll just play the fighting game. Yeah. Which is the story and has all the stuff that I like from it. Mm-hmm. And I get to control the characters anyways. Yeah. I, I kind of feel like that, that, that's such a huge stumbling block to me for anime. That's I'm not, I'm not going to like go, like, oh, I don't like anime. Here's the 17 exceptions. Yeah. There, there's tons of stuff I like, but that's what, that's what keeps me from liking Dragon Ball and One Piece and a, a whole lot of shows where mm-hmm. I can at least admire what went into them. Yeah. I give me, give me like a Cowboy Bebop or or a Trigon anime where it's just like twenty six episodes and it's done. I yeah. can do that, or even better, just give me a two hour movie. Yeah, like I, I don't need to watch like every episode of the Loop and television series. I can just watch Mamo and Cagliostro. <laughs> uh, that new one's good too, though. Mm-hmm. I, I did not expect the CGI Loop and movie to be that good. Yeah, that's. A solid third, as far as the theatrical releases. Or Lupin impersonates Hitler. <laughs> Hitler. Um, but anyways, uh, so I, I think that is a tremendous asset to this. I, I'm not trying to disparage any properties somebody else might like. This isn't boring the way that a lot yes. of anime, frankly, is to me. Yeah. Uh, it really keeps moving, and... <laughs> There's things in here that they had to do by necessity or by accident. There's things that might have come out more in uh, the dub. Yeah. Like, I, I actually read there's there's things that got changed. So, like, in the English version, the streamlined version we mm-hmm. watched, um, uh, Ailey's blindness is psychosomatic. Yeah. And apparently it's not in the original. I haven't compared them, but... They say there's little changes like that in the dialogue. I think in the Streamline series, it's implied that Kenshiro is the one who kills Shen, even though it's very obviously like, no, that was Rao. Yeah. It was just leftover punches from before. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's stuff in this that ends up being weirdly affecting uh, the... I like Kenshiro's resurrection as, mm-hmm. you know, like Jesus walking through buildings. I love when he gets up and a table, ex- his bed explodes <laughs> yeah. just from his aura. Yeah. Like, come on now. <laughs> like, th- this is just getting preposterous. <laughs> um, yeah, I do like Rao not getting off of his horse to fight. Mm-hmm. Touches like that. But it's very prominent here that Kenshiro is not the savior of mankind. Lin is. Yeah. And I really like that touch. And I, I every goddamn episode of this show, I mentioned that I'm a Mad Max fan. Mm-hmm. One of the things I like about Mad Max is that he, and this is why the series, the series doesn't have to make like perfect chronological sense. He's a folk hero. Yeah. He's, he's here, he's there. With the result that he's not always the main character. Yeah. So like, the feral kid is the important part mm-hmm. of... You know, the Road Warrior, the important part is that the town gets away and the feral kid grows up and tells the story. Yeah. In Thunderdome, the cargo cult gets away and they tell the story. And then same thing, like Fury Road, of course, people love, but a few people were like, well, Max is almost like the secondary character. Like, Furiosa no is almost the main character. You're like, yeah, and she rules. Yeah. Like, There's nothing wrong with that. Um... <laughs> 
I really like the idea of Kenshiro being the post-apocalyptic John the Baptist. Mm -hmm. He's not here to save anybody. He's here to usher in the person who will save the world. Yeah. And and you even get, like, the very beginning of the movie, they're doing narration, and you see, like, Lan walking through a halo of light. It's like, that's the character, out of all of them, that's the character that can't die. Yeah. Yeah. And I mentioned in passing, Children of Men is the same thing. Mm -hmm. Theo doesn't matter at the end of the day. The pregnant woman matters. Yeah. Which is why we like Theo. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And the ending of the movie in particular ends up uh, being kind of cool because it can't end. Yeah. It does not resolve the story. Like, the world isn't saved or doomed. And the reason... uh, there's things that happen with very little explanation. So, Ken and Rao fight. Rao wins and spares him because Lin finally like teaches him mercy. Mm-hmm. And Rao just leaves to go pay respect to their master. The bad guy wins. Yeah. Which, as a kid, I was such a like, whoa! Like, he beat the shit out of the good guy! <laughs> that doesn't happen. You, you know, you don't... Bison doesn't beat Ryu, but you still get to see the end of the yeah. game. Like, that doesn't happen. But And the, the reason, the actual literal reason it happened is because the series wasn't done yet. Mm-hmm. They couldn't just kill Rao because he wasn't dead in the, the comic yet. Uh, they, you know, they might want to do some sequels here. So instead it has to be a draw. Yeah. But instead of a boring draw where they're like, I underestimated you, brother. Yeah. It's, it's just, nope, bad guy wins. <laughs> Rao was right. <laughs> <laughs> and then maybe even more so with uh, what happens with uh, Julia. She gets caught. She gets taken by Rao. She's crucified on a very tall crucifix. Yes. Um, and then it ends up, d- during the fight or chaos or whatever, it ends up like collapsing in the street. Mm-hmm. And that's the last time you see her. Her cross like falls and snaps and she lands on some guys. There's no suggestion that she's dead. Yeah. The idea, like, maybe the guys broke her fall. She's still strung mm-hmm. up, but we don't see her. But this is Fist of the North Star. They would let us know if she were dead. Yeah. <laughs> we would see the pieces. Uh, instead, she just, like, falls. That's the last time we see her. Mm-hmm. And that's such a, a weird fucking choice. Yeah. And they say at the end, uh, it's, it's like, where did Ken go? Oh, he's off looking for Julia again. Like, she was right there. She was like, he just needed to wake up from the fight and she would have still been there. Yeah. Like, what what the hell happened? I, and even, I think the Wikipedia, even the plot synopsis says, uh, Julia mysteriously vanishes during the ending. And like, so I don't think she's dead, but she's not there anymore. Mm-hmm. And so he goes back to doing what he was doing anyways, which is wandering the wasteland looking for. And then over the credits, you just see him going to places and hallucinating that she's there. Yeah. So he's like, it's a desert, but for a moment he sees like an Eden, an oasis with her there. Mm-hmm. And then it ends with the best shot in the movie, which is he goes back to the city that he'd been to before not realizing he's retracing his steps, and the goddamn oil tanker is through the building. Yeah. Which is such a great... Mm. And for me... That is such a cool image. I know that it's more famous, but I will put that up there with, like, the Statue of Liberty on the beach. Yeah. <laughs> like, 
Uh, that's so cool. And the result is that the movie has this haunting ending for yeah, no very fun. clear reason. Again, just because the story wasn't done. Mm-hmm. Like, well, in the manga, she was, like, presumed dead, but wasn't. But we switched that part around, so now there's this. So you can't get to her at the end. It can't be a happy, can't be a happy ending. But it's not a sad ending, either. And so it, it's this totally anomalous, like, life goes on? Yeah. <laughs> like, I've never seen, a like, an apocalypse movie with the message of, another day! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Eh, what so, are you going to do? <laughs> yeah, so... I feel bad for the dude. <laughs> Just, mm-hmm. He's getting his, his steps in, but that's about it. Uh, so yeah, it's a good-ass movie. Yeah. Like, I'm going to throw this out there. I don't think anybody is probably half as interested in these old streamlined movies as I am, but... This is some top three shit. Mm-hmm. I would... The, there's Lupin. That's Lupin. Yeah. And it goes without saying. I really dig Robot Carnival, and that was easy to import because there's only two segments with any dialogue. Yeah. Whoa, boy, doesn't have some dialogue. Oh, wow. I'll talk about that yeah. another time. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but the animation is, because it was mm-hmm. literally a showcase for that, yeah. you know, it's a great little piece. It's Japanese Fantasia. Yeah. As far as, like, these things go, I, I love this stuff. I still take joy from it. There's a little bit of nostalgia at play, but when I watch this, I'm like, I would take this over the original D. I would take this over uh, Demon City, Shinjuku. Mm -hmm. I I might tie with Ninja Scroll. Like, Ninja Scroll's as good as this, but I'm not sure it's better. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, and then I can only think of a handful of anime movies that I probably enjoy more than this one <laughs> including the second D but that's, yeah. more of, that's more of a Halloween thing that's more of a Shelbyville <laughs> D movie so that's that's my thoughts on it yeah it's it's awesome it just is if you can find uh, a copy of the streamlined version then watch it you'll be doing yourself a favor I don't think this has been uh, redubbed, incidentally. Really? Yeah, I, I know they did that, like, like we said, I know they did that with Lupin, and they did that with quite a few of these series. I think this is like Vampire Hunter D, where when it comes back into print, they just use the original dub. Yeah. I, I could be wrong, but I, I don't think anyone's messed with it. Hmm. Well, that's good. Yeah. Well, that's, that's my take. All right. Well, this has been a pretty fun episode, and uh, it's uh, yeah, it's been a fun episode. Yeah, so, <laughs> fun things are fun when they're fun. Yep, sure. <laughs> Anyways, uh, make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And uh, by the way, you're already dead. You didn't 